Hello, my name is Shiva Grings and I'm an artist, a street theatre artist to be precise. The year 2020 got off to a good start for me. To be honest, 2019 had been pretty good too. I had a new production in the works, I was organizing a street theatre festival and I was looking forward to playing to thousands of people as a clown all over Europe in the summer. But then, Covid came along. Now, me and my peers are sitting at home twiddling our thumbs, wondering what's going to happen. I had to think of something to do with my time. And I did. Welcome to the Quarantine Sessions, where we will explore the life of one artist on hold in every session. Today we're together with Jules, Julian Bell, an old friend of mine who I've known since I think 2008 when we met in New Zealand in a street theatre festival in Auckland. And um, he's one of these very creative artists who constantly is doing something new and doesn't just think about doing something new, but also ends up actually doing it, which is always very impressive. So the first thing I want to ask you today is what actually brought you into theatre or into street theatre? Fate, I guess. (laughs) If, if there is such a thing. Um, look, I, I guess I, I watched theatre when I was a kid. I think my parents made the effort to take me to see theatre shows. Um, I did drama in school, uh, in, enjoyed it. And so I kind of always had a sense of appreciation for theatre. But the actual step of becoming a theatre performer, I kind of would put more down to fate. Like I, um, well, should I tell you the story? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, I was uh, travelling around Australia a lot. I was a bit of a sort of barefoot hippie. And I needed money and I started juggling in some markets. I think here it would be smart to say that Jules is now not a barefoot hippie. He's quite neat in a nice little apartment in his own studio and he's wearing socks. (laughs) Yeah, I've graduated from barefoot socks. (laughs) I started juggling in some markets and I made uh, $30 in about half an hour, uh, which for me was like I'd hit the big time. So I went straight over to the hotel where I was working, washing dishes, and quit my job, and uh, just started um, juggling in the streets. And that step, basically, I continued, I carried that journey on, and the conclusion of that journey over a number of years was I started doing street theatre and travelling around doing theatre, and yeah. So it was fate, in a way. Yeah, and you've definitely maybe taken some steps down, because nowadays you're not getting paid $30 to do this podcast. In fact, he made me coffee this afternoon. So let's yeah. hope things improve for you again. <laughs> yeah, well, 2020 doesn't count. So um, you, were, you were a performer in, a, in Australia, right? In, in which town? Yeah, well, look, I started performing in Darwin, which is a small town in the tropics. Um, Travelled around Australia, but I was from the Blue Mountains near Sydney. I guess you'd say Sydney was my home pitch. So that's where I sort of developed my skills as a street performer. Um, I would go out every weekend and I tried doing street shows and then I started to do street shows. So uh, through a process of um, trial and error and just stubborn mindedness, I became a street performer in Sydney. Since I've known you, you've told me stories of how you started and how you were doing like rollerblade numbers and swallowing a sword at the same time. And... Now, I totally respect risk on the street, but I usually prefer it when it's just fake risk. And when I heard that story, I was very glad that I still got to meet you before you had any accidental rollerblade sword swallowing mishaps. To be honest, I think you've got two of my stories. Uh, You've put two of my stories together, which is one that I used to do roller skating jumps over people and another one that I was a sword swallower. But um, 
I have to keep that in mind. I think roller skating with sword swallowing is quite a good trick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I guess when I was young, I didn't mind taking risks. I um, didn't think about it, to be honest. So yeah, I used to juggle fire on a slack rope that was really quite high. Uh, it's about three meters off the ground above concrete. Um, and yeah, I did sword swallowing and a few things happened that changed my sort of perception on risk. One is I cut my throat sword swallowing. I actually cut it a few times. But one time I, um, my flatmate was like, you've got to go to the doctor. You've got to go to the doctor. So I went and there was this little old Italian man in a little doctor's practice in Sydney. And I went and saw him and he just sort of looked at me and shook his head. And then he got out his prescription pad and he just, he wrote down, go home watch La Strada, the film by Fellini, and think about your life. And uh, that really affected me. I did. I went home and I watched that film and I was like, oh, what am I doing risking my life doing this? And another thing that happened is I broke both my wrists by falling off my slack rope in 2006 in Melbourne. Yeah, lying in hospital. I was like, okay, I think I need to rethink my approach to street theatre because... Yeah, I want to be in it for the long game, not the short game. So I guess that pushed me away from the uh, uh, classic sort of watch me do something dangerous style of street theatre into the more theatrical forms of street theatre with character and more comedy, etc. Mm, it's interesting. So your advice now for anyone <laughs> young student who wants to be a street artist is listen to this podcast, <laughs> then look at Lestrade and then become a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, then go get a real job. Uh, no, no. I actually think uh, those periods of taking those risks were really important to me, and I don't regret them in the slightest. Even if I've got metal in my right wrist and a large scar that makes me look like I tried to top myself. But yeah, at a certain point, I think that most people, I think most people discover it themselves. The need to move beyond just risk for entertainment you know it's I mean that Fellini film really shows it quite clearly with the uh, strong man there who in a in a in a way sort of you know his stunts it's, it's almost like the prostitution side of street theater you know like watch me do something where I might hurt myself and enjoy it and then pay me for it and yeah look it's a valid part of street theater um but it doesn't have much longevity it's interesting because there is actually this aspect. A lot of us are very anti-authoritarian. We're very, you know, I'm not part of the system. I am against the system. At the same time, we're also very purely capitalist if you really look at it. Or philosophy is I only get paid as much as I'm worth. And then we talk about a lot about how much we're worth. So we increase our own worth. So I, I, I find this balance really quite a fascinating balance in street theatre. And I think perhaps it's less in other forms of theatre because other forms of theatre you often get paid in advance. So, you know, it's more like a cosy job. You can, you know, sometimes you're not as good or you, sometimes you're better, but it doesn't matter in the end. And while the street theatre artist, his ego or her ego is often just related to, to the amount of money in the hat if you're only doing street street, not actually doing street theatre festivals. Yeah, it's... um. The, your perception of your worth as an artist is generally tied to the hat you receive at the end of your show. It's direct, which is why I think so many street performers are slightly mad. <laughs> and I think it's a false narrative. I think we get brought, we get easily pulled into the idea of more money equals better show equals better performer. But I actually think some of the best shows I've seen and some of the best shows I've done aren't necessarily paid so well. But the effect of this is it pulls street performers, particularly buskers, 
into the direction of how can I make more money instead of the direction of how can I make a great show. It's like a little bit like a funnel because you're slowly, not forced, but you slowly slide into this thing of I want to have a good show. And usually right at the start, when you start, you just want to stop people. And then you keep trying to find any way possible to stop people. And then you try ways to make money. And then you want to make more money than you made last time, or definitely not less money. So you're kind of forced into this, I don't know, like the capitalistic way of thinking where you're like stuck in trying to uh, repeat your last hat or at least increase your last hat. And that kind of uh, can often... Mm, limit the amount of things that one can do I find I found that very much when I when I did a tour through Australia amazing shows but not so creative it was just like how do I stop people and how do I make money out of them at the end yeah I think um it becomes about risk reduction in the defense of Australia I would say it's not an easy place to make a living as a street performer and there's not really any or many other viable options as a solo performer um, in the, let's call them variety arts, um, to make a living beyond busking. It's, it's difficult. And so therefore the finances really takes top priority in Australia. Um, you know, we don't have the same, you know, festival scene, street theatre festival scene like there is in Europe or even in Canada. And to defend it as well, I would also say like some of the best acts that I've seen and most creative acts have also come from Australia. I think it has both. I really think in Australia you can learn the the the, the dark arts of street theatre and the manipulative tricks of how to make a show work for you, whatever your objective is, whether it's money or just to attract an audience. And I think I've taken those dark arts that I've learned or the skills I've honed over years in Australia and moved them from the focus of how can I make the most money possible into a sh from my show into how can I use all those manipulative tricks to make the best show possible for the audience. So I, I, I see it as actually a very useful skill, um, what you learn there. And I mean, Australians can build a show out of nothing. Many Europeans come to Australia and North Americans come to Australia and really struggle because mm. um, it's hard. The pictures are hard. And um, yeah, so look, I'm, I'm glad I have that background. Uh, I really am. And I'm also glad that I'm not stuck in it. Just for all the people, because we're working with a podcast, so it's not visual at all. Can you describe kind of the things that you did in your last two shows? Because you've been Ernest the Magnifico mm -hmm. and Professor Bubbles. I think those were the last two big shows that you've done. Could you describe them a little bit? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> Ernest the Magnifico was a show I created as I was lying in hospital. No, actually, that's not true. I lie. I thought of the idea before I was lying on ho in hospital. It was a show I created as a parody because I looked around and I saw all these Australian acts and I was like, every male Australian performer stands on a high object and juggles something dangerous and is sort of an alpha figure. And I was like, it's sort of boring, isn't it? So I was like, what if I created a wannabe alpha figure who's really more of a Zeta with a big heart? And so that's Ernest the Magnifico and he's a wannabe stuntman from... Wungandungan in Australia, and he has a, a mullet and a big moustache. Could you um, take on Ernest's voice for a bit? Oh, yeah, no worries. Where are we? Oh, Freiburg. Oh, Germany. Yeah, yeah. that's right, in Europe. Uh, yeah, so I created this uh, alter ego, and I worked really hard to create a sort of lovable but naive character. He does tricks with radio-controlled cars that I set on fire, jump over the top of people, and then... For my finale, I do tricks with a pogo stick 
but they're not really tricks. It's more like a comedy routine. So yeah, that's the show that I've done since like, 2007 or yeah, about then. I've done it for many years and all around the world. And then after settling in Germany, well, that was eight years ago now, I, I realized I needed some, I wanted something that I could perform in more, a larger variety of venues, not just in summer street theater festivals. So I created Professor Bubbles, which is a, a clown character, silent clown character who does tricks with bubbles. And yeah, I really enjoy it, especially after spending years trying to do a show without tricks. It's nice to just be able to blow some nice bubble uh, sculpture and people go, wow. You know, it's, it, it's in a way an easier show. It's easier for me. It's easier for the audience to digest. And um, yeah, I do a lot of different gigs with that. Sometimes festivals, but then also sort of corporate events and weddings and all sorts of different gigs. Yeah, it's a super nice show. And it's, I would say that you finally found a way to like be super sellable and do a very nice show at the same time. And then COVID came along. Yeah, I was, um, I think 2020 was going to be a really big year for me, actually. I had a lot of gigs booked and um, I was working on an indoor like a full-length indoor show for Professor Bubbles. You know, I was sort of maybe halfway through that process. Like I was in rehearsals as COVID arrived. I'd actually just got back for I was in China doing my bubble show as COVID arrived. That gig was cancelled and was lucky enough I was able to get a flight out of there quickly and got back to Freiburg thinking, oh, thank goodness that's over. And I uh, got back to rehearsing in Germany and then, well, COVID arrived. <laughs> What do you think? Will there be a change in the way that we perform once COVID is over or once COVID is less? Yeah, I can't see how the street theatre scene or the theatre scene can go through such a profound level of change without some lasting effects. The very least, I know my comedy stuntman show, I can't do about a third of my show. I can't climb on top of people, jump on top of people, hug people, pick people up. A lot of those sort of proximity jokes are just are gone. Do you and think that will continue? I, I think for a few years, yes. I think there might there might be a time where that changes. Although I, I think it will take it'll take a long time before a performer will get away with kissing their volunteer on the cheek again. Um, which maybe is a good thing. <laughs> but uh, no, I do think that will uh, stick around, I I, at least for a while. And do you see any chances in it for us? I think I see the chance for most street performers is a chance to expand and move beyond just doing street theatre on the street and have to think a little bit more about the business side of it and getting booked in different places um, or... Um, finding different opportunities, be it digital things or making a podcast or making films or, or doing online shows, I think it will force street performers who want to stay in the game to think broadly. I have to hope that actually maybe in some way street theatre is the one form of theatre that's really possible right now. Like it's much more possible than doing a, a show indoors, for instance. So I have hoped that perhaps that will create something positive for us in the next year or two yeah absolutely um although i do think that all of the indoor theater is now coming for our pitches <laughs> <laughs> all the indoor theater that sort of maybe i'm being a bit negative mm. here but that sort of looked down on street theater over the years well they're now doing street theater mm. well they're now planning full seasons of street theater i so. guess we can offer them courses yeah <laughs> teach them how it's done uh, and a philosopher friend of mine actually pointed out quite interestingly he said that 
art has always been spontaneous, it's always been creative. And actually now he thinks we're called for to create the pictures of how COVID will be defined or how this time will be defined in the future. And he also said, especially like street theater also will have an aspect in that. Do you think that's true or do you think it's just over-philosophizing? Yeah, I mean, I do think that people will look back on this period and maybe remember... Okay, I've done a few shows this summer and they're all under pretty strict hygiene controls, etc. And those shows were amazing. Okay, not all of them, but most of them were amazing. And I think people really, really, really appreciate culture now when it arrives because we're living in a big cultural vacuum at the moment. Apart from digital. I mean, digital's blossoming, but I think that only covers so much. I think, I think that live communication is missing. Yeah, I mean, as, how, how do we come out of this as um, street performers and as society? Look, I'm not sure. I hope um, performers can sort of... Uh, lead the way and maybe you know hold the hand of society and help it back to a positive place um, full of culture and life especially now with all the internet activities a lot of people are buying online and so a lot of the cities will have even less people coming to them because there's actually no need to go into town anymore and now has the amazon account the ebay account and maybe we've gotten used to buying everything there so Perhaps there'll also be a push by the city centres to, to bring people back into the centre by actually hiring us for a change instead of just having us perform there. Yeah, I hope so. You know, the, the change of the cityscape, you know, the boarded up shops was already happening and COVID has just really turned that change up to 11. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope you're right. And uh, cities have enough foresight to realise they need to do something. They need to make cities attractive or they're going to die out, yeah. as, instance, they have, as they have in um, countries that are more car-based. Like, for example, where my mum and my sister live in Newcastle, Australia, it's a very car-based city. The centre of town is dead because no one would drive there. You can't park there. But on the outskirts of town, there's all these shopping malls, and they're alive, you know? So I think if, especially like in Europe, that's not as car-based society, they need, they need to be careful to... Keep the cities alive. Here in Freiburg, they've uh, loosened all the laws in, in the city since COVID. So it's now possible to play later. It's possible to, to play louder. So that's why I have this slight glimmer of hope that perhaps things will get better for us or at least for the people who play on the street uh, in the future. And I, um, before we go any further, I want to ask, is there any like highlights of this year? Because we've talked about some of the solo shows that you've done this year under COVID conditions. Are there any highlights that really stand out? Yeah, I did a, I was, the one festival that really happened this year for me was a beautiful festival in Italy. I went there, I didn't know much about the gig and I didn't know what the circumstances were going to be. And basically I had to play on top of a big hill with a church on top of it and a big, I think it was a basketball court or something. And um, everyone had to sit on the hill, was sitting on the hill with, you know, space between them. I don't know, all the elements came together to create a magical event and I got to play my show in its most, I could say, perfect form. You know, the way I always imagined it as a clown who happens to do bubbles and I had the audience roaring with laughter um, for an hour and then there were some touching moments and beautiful moments and the whole thing was sort of, I mean, I'm not religious, but, you know, 
there was a church spire behind, the moon was shining, um, there was a warm summer's bree summer breeze and it was beautiful. So that was pretty, pretty special. And I definitely notice I value these shows a lot more now than I used to. Mm, that's a nice picture for, for COVID 2020. What are you doing now? <laughs> I mean, it's no longer, we're now in December. It's no longer possible to perform indoors. It's no longer possible to perform outdoors. What's uh, grabbed your fancy? Um, I'm making films. I have always made films. I guess I started making promo films for my shows years ago and have then made a few different short films and stuff. And I, I got to a certain point this year and realized, okay, this, things are not changing in a hurry. This, this Corona thing's here to stay for a while. So either I try to tread water and stay alive as a street performer and sort of looking back at the past, or I focus my energies on something positive and um, create a positive direction for myself. Yeah, I was always interested in film. I always enjoyed making films. And the combination of that with the increased importance of digital media these days, I just, I've jumped on it and I'm going full steam ahead. I'm putting all my eggs in that basket right now. And that doesn't mean I won't do theatre in the future. I very much hope I will. But I realised I would rather do um, focus my energy in a positive direction than try to desperately cling to some false hope of a corona show, you know, that's not really the show I want to do anyway. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. I'm making films. Is there somewhere we can see that? Um, there will be once I, I just need a name, um, <laughs> I'm looking for a business name for what I do. And, uh, I'm currently making a website with, um, I have six different, uh, films from like six shorts that I'm going to put up there. And, um, yeah, um, that's, that's my focus. That's what I'm doing now. So as soon as you have the business name, we'll put it into the podcast down at the bottom and people Please can do. check you out. Yes. Do you have any advice for how to get through the COVID-19 blues? <laughs> what do you do to survive what do i do i do what i always have done which is bury my head in my work which is why many years ago i decided to make my work fun um because i do spend a lot of time doing it um for me i'm trying not too much to think about the past and how things were because i'm pretty aware they won't be the same again and i see that as a you know every every time a door opens it's a it's a doorway to a new world it's a new opportunity and you know I've been through changes before in my life you know I wasn't always a street performer and I became a street performer it was a scary door to open but it was great I'm so glad I visited and now maybe it's time to if not shut that door behind me maybe leave that door open but open another one uh, to a new future with uh, new possibilities last question where do you imagine yourself to be in six months time I think I'm going to be creating a lot of different videos and short films. Um, although, I mean, I'm still hoping to do a few shows, a few street shows this summer, um, or next summer when it happens. Um, I don't want to close that door. But look, I'm, I'm really excited about this new stuff, this new film stuff. It, it keeps me alive. I, am, I turned 40 this year and I'm starting a new career. And that's exciting. You know, I see that as a great opportunity. When I... Um, broke my wrists and I was lying in hospital. That became the little kick up the backside that got me to 
change my show and create a safe show or safer show for myself. Uh, you know, it's sort of serendipity that led me in that direction that then, and, and that show took me around the world. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm here in Germany. Um, so I see that Corona can be seen as a door opener. And I hope I look back on this period of my life in the future as a moment of serendipity that led me to a brighter future. Nice. So COVID is your broken wrists for 2020. Exactly. Everyone needs, you know, you need, we need uh, challenges in life to overcome. Okay. Jules, thank you very much for being with us today. You're welcome, Shiva. Yeah. Cool. My pleasure. And that's it from this week. Thanks for being with us. Come and join us again. Sign up to the podcast. Tell your friends. And if you really liked it, why not go overboard and buy the book? This is what we do for a living. See you next time.